Well, hey, welcome back. Man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, what a power-packed weekend we have right now. It's Valentine's Day weekend. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Things are happening. So your love of football gets to be, gets to be celebrated today, and the love for your uh, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend gets to, you know, if you're jumping on the gun and getting that done today, amazing. If Valentine's Day is not every day for you, you need to pick up your game, okay? So then, talking about how we community, how do we community. The last few weeks we've talked about how you belong, and so it's been more about you, but today we get to talk about us and we and how we community. Talking about visible love today, visible love today, because when you love someone, they better know it, right? It shouldn't just be a one-day year where we make somebody aware like, hey, by the way, I love you, right? Love, if you love someone, they better know it. If you want a tagline today, when you love someone, they better know it, okay? If you got your Bibles and your notebooks, you can get those out. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 2 here in just a second. But like I said, the past two weeks, we've been talking about why you belong. Now today, we talk about why we belong. What happens when we come together? And so you need to make sure that you go back and get those past two messages. Last week, we talked about how to beat rejection. The week before, we talked about how to beat perfection. And so belonging happens in you before it happens in us. It must happen in you before it happens to us because you belong to God first. You belong to God first, and then you belong to, a, to a, the family of faith, right? To the community of believers, to the church, the big C, capital C church. So it's your relationship with Him that creates and confirms the belief in you that you belong, that you belong. It's, it's stepping into sonship, right? Or, I don't know if there's daughtership is the word, but you're, you have the right to become a son, or a daughter. And so then the last two weeks we've discussed how to beat perfection, how we always figure that we don't belong because we can't measure up to good enough. Talked about that in week one. And then how to beat rejection, beating rejection to belong. You're born again, accepted. That's the biggest point. So we've covered that. Now let's, walk, let's discuss why we belong together. You know, community gives us a social connection and a sense of belonging. And, and we get this by understanding that when, when we're loved, we know it. So then when we love someone, they better know it. When you love someone, they better know it. You know, church terminology, it's, it says this, you can't have community without you and I. And so you spell community, it's very, very cliche, it's kind of corny, but it's the truth. You cannot have community without a you and an I, and that's us. And so then that means when we meet, and we gather around tables. We're just not gathering to eat, but we're gathering to feed our relationships. We circle up and we hang out and we stay late and we arrive early for what? To grow in our relationships. And so we don't just gather around tables to eat, but we gather around tables. We gather in public places at coffee shops and wherever to grow in our relationships, to feed our relationships, to grow in community. Acts 2.42 says this, this is the first church. This is the first church. It says, they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles, to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayer. And if you go on through Acts, it says this, they were devoted to three things, relationship, discipleship, and community. Relationship with God and relationship with each other. It's that vertical relationship and those horizontal relationships, the cross. They were devoted to discipleship, to the apostles' teaching, to growing in their faith, to becoming more like Jesus. They were devoted to that. That's an individual thing that you do. And they were devoted to a community, to continually coming together and being like family, is what Acts 2.42 says. And so when you look at the scripture you see in fellowship, it says this, Fellowship 
in the dictionary is defined as togetherness, friendship, intimacy, companionship, sociability, which is a really nice word, and community, community, community. And so then the big question is, how do we do that? How do we do companionship, intimacy? No, no, no. Don't ask me to get vulnerable. That's not me. Okay. You don't need to know my business, right? That's, we just came from that place. And so then the big question is, how do we do that? What is our approach? What is our approach? And there are three things that you see in the Bible. There are three things that you see in the first church that lead to community. And I want to share them with you really quickly. Honor, honor, respect one another. It's Romans 12, 10. That means we can't have any pretenders. Honor. Don't just honor because I have to do that for this hour. Honor. If we can't honor God, we won't honor each other. Number two, honesty. Be real with each other. It's Romans 3.23. Be real. Nobody's squeaky clean, right? Nobody's squeaky clean. Everybody has a past. Everybody has sin in their life, right? You were born rejected. You're born again accepted. You belong because you belong to Jesus, not because you did something right. And so then the reality is if we can't be honest with God, we won't be honest with each other. And the third one is hospitality. Hospitality. Love one another intentionally. If you love someone, they better know it, right? Love intentionally is 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9. And the reality is this. If we cannot love God, we will not love one another. And so then it happens in you before it happens in us. With these three, what you need to understand is you cannot lead where you're not willing to go. And so then if you can't be honoring, honest, or hospitable, with God first, then you're going to struggle to be that with people around you. And so then, so then we can say, if you don't love people, they're going to know it. They're going to know it, right? And so then it must happen in you before it can come out of you. If you're going to bear good fruit, the root of that fruit starts in your heart. It starts the belief in Jesus. To lead honor, honesty, and hospitality, you must live it first. It has to flow out of you. These are the values of our house. This is how we're raising our kids. And so it's pretty um, uh, difficult for me when I see these not present, when I'm like, wait a second, we teach this. We are this. This is who we are. We have some B attitudes in our house. And so when these three are present, when these three are present, when honor, honesty, and hospitality are present, you've set the stage for unity. The last half of community is unity. And so when there's unity among people, we have community. God's made this very simple for us. And the truth is, community is about having the same rights as everyone else, meaning we view everyone as equal. There is no bar to meet. We're all at the bar. The bar is Jesus, right? And so then 1 Corinthians says this, All of you agree with one another in what you say, and let there be no divisions among you. Instead, be perfectly united in mind and thought. Be perfectly united in mind and thought. What does it say? Let there be no division among you. Instead, be perfectly united. Community. Community. First John 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. We have community with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us. He purifies us. It's not be saying, no, you don't have uh, Nike Air Maxes on, so you don't belong yet. You can come back when you get some Air Maxes. That's not true. That's not true. Jesus, yes, come. It's that simple. 
And so today I'm not going to talk about honor, honesty, and hospitality. I'm not going to talk about those three H's. I want to talk specifically about biblical hospitality, okay? And I just want to talk about one of those H's. And so, and why it, it seems to be the easiest and the most misunderstood of all three things that I just said. And so um, hospitality could be something that we all define very similarly. Um, there's, no hosp- there's no real controversy around hospitality either, if you think about it, right? We can all kind of go, okay, I know what hospitality is. And, and now that we can kind of identify and go, well, we know that it's being welcoming. And I think we'll have a word for that, like welcoming, accepting, loving, um, nurture, like we have these words. And I think that today we just need to put, shine a flashlight on those words and ask ourselves, is this really what I feel in my heart? Or is this just a church word? Is this just a church word that I really don't live out in my life? And so then I want to talk about biblical hospitality today and how far we've gotten away from it and from what the Bible defines it to be. And so when you think about hospitality, what's the first thing you think about? For me, I think Southern hospitality. Southern hospitality. This is a phrase that here in America we used to describe the stereotype of residents who live in the southern part of our country, specifically the southeast. (laughs) And we think this is uh, particularly warm, sweet, and welcoming. It's, it's It's what we know Southern hospitality is welcoming somebody into their home and setting setting the table for them, uh, giving them the shirt off our back. You've heard all those things before. And so I got a buddy who says, man, I'm, I'm from Louisiana. I will come to your house and I will open your fridge and I will use your bathroom. And I was like, wow, that's taking it to a whole new level. Now, when we have people over to our house, right, we're showing hospitality. I'll never forget me and Heather had people over. We used this all the time. We had people over. And when you have somebody over to your house, what's the first thing you do? Clean the bathroom. You know, clean that bathroom. You're going to make sure everything that your kids have done to that bathroom this week is gone, right? And so we have some people come over to the house, and, uh, and it's, it's just a husband and wife, right? And I remember what my buddy said. He'll come to my house. He'll do all this. And so then we prepare our house for people to come. And when we do that, we expect them to use the facility, right? So then when you do this, when you prepare your house, you make sure that all the facilities work, that everything is is in good order. The, the toilet paper's stocked, right? You don't expect people to use the bathroom. I'm not, I don't, I try not to use the bathroom at people's house if I'm just being honest. And so we have these people over and we're about, you know, hour, hour and a half into it. We just had dinner, man, our kids are hanging. We're having a good time. And um, the wife gets up and she uses the restroom and she comes out of the restroom. She says, hey, your toilet's clogged. Okay. And I was like, I immediately go like, you can't do anything like that because you don't want to embarrass somebody. But you're like, well, I know the toilet wasn't clogged when, when they went in there, right? But now, but now it is. And so, but that's it. Like, we should be like, cool, man, I, I guess I'll get that when you leave, right? But it was like, okay. And there's like this weird, like, who's up for dessert, right? Who's, who's up for dessert? I grew up with four brothers, so switch gears. I grew up with four brothers. Hospitality didn't exist, right? You fend for yourself, not four brothers, two brothers, two sisters. 
And so you fend for yourself when there's one bathroom in the house, when there's one refrigerator, one microwave, when there's, you know, four bikes, but five kids, like it's, it's everything you do. Um, whether it be my older brothers or my younger sisters, like it's everything that you do, that you have in you to fight for what you want. Right. And so hospitality didn't exist. Let me tell you a, a story about my buddy. I got a buddy named John who lives in Alabama and, uh, I used to go down to his church all the time and, and help and learn. And, uh, John was like, man, if you ever want to come down to an Alabama game, just let me know. I was like, cool. And so man, back in, uh, 2017, I went down to see John. So when Leonard Fournette was up for the Heisman Trophy and it was LSU at Alabama and I was so looking forward to this game. Now, John just says, if you want to come down to a game, let me know. I don't know what that means. And so uh, we drive all night, uh, take uh, my best friend with me. We drive all night, we get down there and um, John has, uh, we meet him for breakfast at, at the local, like this is the place where you eat breakfast on game day in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay. And then he's like, Hey, uh, you guys are full. I know you're tired. We're going to get you there, but man, we need to get you guys a, a polo. That's how people dress around here, especially on game day. Let's go get you an Alabama polo. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to buy our polos. John takes us. Uh, hey, follow me over here. He takes me to the secret shop, like not the not the game day shop, but like the local shop. We go in, man, these people are so cool. And, and back and forth, all that, right? John ends up buying us uh, polos. is $137 for two polos, which is ridiculous. And uh, man, we got our Alabama gear to go to the game. And then, and he's like, hey, I'm gonna put you up. And he, he puts us up in his shop. He's got, he's, he has his own business. And so he, he has a place for us to stay. And uh, he's got it all decked out, all ready for us, man. Bed's made, it's ready. And then uh, he says, hey, listen, because college game day is here, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. Um, and so I'll come and pick you up at 3 o'clock. And, um, and I'll come pick you up at 3 o'clock, and we will, uh, I'll drop you off. He drops us off. It's amazing. It's amazing. He gives us the tickets. We realize, We look at the tickets. These tickets are $2,000 a piece. He's put us up in a box with all-you-can-eat shrimp and bread pudding. And I have a seat inside and I have a seat outside. That's how good it is. And I was blown away. And then he's like, hey, uh, just shoot me a text after the game's over and I'll pick you up. Same place I dropped you off. It's awesome. That is hospitality. What happened? What happened? He exceeded our expectation. When somebody loves you, you better know it. When you love somebody, they better know it. Did I know that John loved me? Absolutely. Absolutely. And because I was a pastor, he treated us very well. But I, I expect that he treats everybody like that because that's who John is. That's who John is. And so, so then knowing what Southern hospitality is and, and what hospitality is, whether you're welcoming somebody to your house or you're taking somebody to a football game, I want to dive into biblical hospitality. The Apostle John defines hospitality best. We see in the scripture that there is a biblical pattern of fellowship, support, and love surrounding the concept of hospitality. And so when someone in the first century church shared a meal or they took someone into their home, they weren't just offering a helping hand like we would say that today. They were sharing their life. They were sharing their life. Why? It's time. We're investing time. It was very personal. It was personal for me to invite you in right? It was personal for me. It displayed 
and it affirmed what the apostles taught. This affirmed the apostles' teaching. And after looking at the examples that we see in Scripture and the letters from the Apostle John and the implications from these examples, we can define biblical hospitality as this. It is the welcoming and fellowshipping with all people out of truth and love for Jesus Christ so that people may see Christ more clearly and will join us as believers. I could say that again, but it's on your screen. You need to take a screenshot of that. So we're going to follow up with Romans 12, 13. It says this, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality, which means to literally pursue the love of strangers. There are a lot of different needs that are represented when that happens, right? But when, when you love someone, they better know it. And so what we learned from Jesus and his disciples was they were all hospitable to everyone, including strangers. And they were hospitable without motive. It wasn't for an exchange. It wasn't a bait and switch. It was out of the love that God had given them, out of the love of Jesus Christ. They flowed and they were hospitable with each other. So then we never give in order to receive and we do not treat anyone higher than another. Why? Because Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Running over will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so then the same amount, you can't sit alone at home constantly and complain about people being mean to you or not being nice to you and not bringing you dinner and not doing the things that you would perceive or want people to do for you if you do not do them for others, right? It clearly states that the measuring cup that we use to dispense our gifts, that we use to give our talents, that we use to give our love, that measuring cup that we use to give that with will be the same one used to provide our dreams, desires, our heart, our need for belonging, our need for love, our need for community, and I believe this verse, Luke 6, 38, I think it's Luke 6, yeah. I believe this verse is the root of, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We all know the feeling of how it feels, what it feels like when we give, when we give, right? So my question to you today is, what is the size of your hospitality measuring cup? What's the size of your cup? So then, sit on that. Where do you start? Where do you start? Notice I got my mason jar today. Where do you start? Today, regardless of the size of your cup, you need to cultivate a hospitable heart. Your action step today is to cultivate a hospitable heart. As we consider putting biblical hospitality into action, most of us can recall a time when we tried to extend hospitality, but were met with rejection. Who knows what that person was going through that day, but they didn't like the fact that you were nice to them, right? And so that stunts what you would do then and what you're going to do next. And you can't let that affect the way that you love. You cannot use rejection as a roadblock to prevent you from being hospitable in future occasions. Remember, what you give with is going to be given back to you. If we're to, to cultivate a heart, a hospitable heart of biblical hospitality, 
We must refuse to rely on our achievements or dwell on those failures. Remember, we talked about overcoming perfection and rejection. It's the same thing when we try to be nice to somebody, right? We must lay aside past rejections, grudges, and we must seek to grab a bigger cup. We have to grab a bigger cup to pour it on, to pour on love, love. Because giving biblical hospitality isn't easy. It's not easy, especially in 2022 when everybody has something, an excuse, an agenda, a hurt. It's hard to give that, but it's worth, it's so worth it. When you grab that cup and you pour it on, it begins with developing proper measuring strategies. Okay. We're going to go a little bit deeper here. Okay. Here are a few ways you can get started. I can take somebody a dessert or a meal. You want me to show you one? You want me to tell you, share one of the best ways I communicate hospitality? When I, when I get to meet you for the first time, I ask you what your favorite drink is. I typically tend to meet people over coffee or who cares. And so when we meet, my intention is, what are they drinking? Okay, next time I meet with this person, I'm bringing this. I give you examples. This week, this has happened three times. And people are blown away that I know what they drink down to the, to the uh, you know, amount of sweet cream that we pour in the coffee. Wow. Wow. Is that really a wow? No, that's me just being hospitable. And so then I love to understand and know what people's drinks are. And then when I have to have a conversation, good or bad, especially if you work for me, good or bad, I want to present that coffee to take the lid off and let, make sure you know that, that I'm not here to threaten you. I'm not here to offend you. I want to have a conversation. I want to be in community. I want to be in relationship. I want to be in unity in this conversation. And I'm going to prove it to you by sitting this right down right here, okay? Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's have a Mountain Dew. I got so many friends who love Mountain Dew, okay? You can drop a dessert off at somebody's house. You can take somebody a meal. You can make a list of people right now that you know. Every one of us right now knows somebody who needs to be loved, encouraged, right? Loved on a little bit, hugged. We all know somebody. Make a list. Make a list. Write it down. Make a plan. Is what the Bible says. Make a plan to invite them out to dinner. To I don't like going to movies because they limit the communication. We sit and we watch. Okay, but out to do something. Old Town. Who knows where? But just make a plan to invite somebody out. Invite somebody home after church today. Right. Invite somebody out to lunch after church today. Invite or bring somebody to church. Whoa, that would really change the game. We would show up on Sundays and stop looking around wondering who was coming because we actually bring them with us. Bring someone to church with you. Pray that God will help you demonstrate his character. Let's just say amen. All that freaks me out. Start praying that God would help you demonstrate his character to others. That's it. And then purpose. You have to be intentional. Purpose to nurture a heart and attitude of biblical hospitality that sincerely communicates, come back soon. I tell you, that's the one thing that I really dislike about the pandemic is it's killed customer service. When's the last time you walked out of a restaurant and felt, come back soon? Hey, come back soon. Most of the time when you walk in the door, you feel like you shouldn't even be here. That we're making sure to post everything you can't be and can't do if you're going to eat here, okay? But when's the last time you walked out of a place and felt like, hey, I can't wait to see you again? 
Make sure you come back and see us. Come back soon. Biblical hospitality sincerely communicates that. It communicates that. Here's how it plays out. The key point of biblical hospitality is the emphasis on displaying Christ to people wherever we meet them. We're going to display Christ wherever we meet them. So then it's extremely important to grasp, particularly in today's culture, where the outward appearance of stability and success is desired more than walking side by side with people in order to glorify the name of Jesus. It's so much easier to focus on the success and the stability that people have as opposed to walking beside them and saying, hey man, me too. Biblical hospitality says, me too. And man, when you say me too to somebody, what happens? I don't care if they perceive themselves here and you here, or if it's opposite. When you say me too, boom, me too. And now we can walk side by side. So then what do we do about that? Before your anxiety kicks in, remember in John, uh, it says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not meant to weigh us down. So then loving others, making sure that when we love someone, they know it, this should not weigh you down. So the definition that we presented above about what biblical hospitality is, is not specific in the way that it plays out in your life, but it must entail what biblical hospitality really is. And so biblical hospitality is not always a well-groomed home that's presented really well with a clean toilet that you know is not going to back up on you with flowers and candles everywhere. It could be. It could be. But it is character. And it's a character trait that you have. And it should characterize every believer of Jesus because we live as examples of what biblical hospitality is. And so then... That may take shape or take the shape of you sitting in a coffee uh, restaurant, your choice, local or corporate, right? This could take place sitting down for coffee in a local restaurant. This could take place shoveling your neighbor's driveway. This could take place in having a dinner with a couple out somewhere in your community. Having dinner with a couple who's in the same stage of life as you or a little bit behind you to where you're not convinced that, hey, let me tell you how to fix your life. But hey, how's this going? How's this going? Man, I tell you what, we really struggle with that too. I can remember. Heather, do you remember? Yeah, we remember. Me too. Texting someone who you're reminded of, right? Taking your neighbor a plate of cookies. Just got a, a plate of cookies the other day from our neighbor. It was amazing. Julie, you're awesome, Right? Simply inviting people out for pizza, that doesn't take hardly anything, right? Some, you're going to eat some cardboard and some pepperoni, right? Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, make Christ the center of it. All the things that I just talked about are just the excuse. They're just an excuse to love people. They're just an excuse to show biblical hospitality. If Christ is the center of it, God's love is what they will feel. It's what they will experience this is the love of God. And so our value of hospitality is the anchor of who we are. Our value of hospitality is the anchor of who we are. And hopefully it's what you feel every Sunday when we're like this, when you meet with me in person, when you meet with me solo in a one-on-one, -on -one, when you come to a group setting with me. I want you to feel that. And we all should want people to feel that. Here's how we define it based on today's message. Genuine hospitality. I'm wrapping up. Genuine hospitality creates an environment 
where people feel welcomed and accepted. That's great. Those are really good church terms, and I know a lot of pastors who use those. What am I really trying to say? Biblical hospitality welcomes people on their terms. Biblical hospitality welcomes people on their terms. It's not about the shirt they wear, the shoes they have on, or the job they have or don't have, the house they live in or don't live in, the shack that they call home. None of that matters. Status, cars, etc. Biblical hospitality welcomes people how they come. It's a continuous outpouring of love and generosity that reminds everyone, you belong. You belong. You belong. They belong. Consistently, here's what 1 Peter 4, 8, 9 and 1 John 4, 16 say. This backs this up. This is from the Bible. This isn't Dusty 101. This is the Bible. Consistently be hospitable to one another because love covers all and breaks through everything. And all who live in love live in God and He lives in them. Come on. Above all, maintain, this is 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. Above all, maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sin. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the various or the varied grace of God. It's the varied grace of God. If we're going to be how we community, right? If we're going to be, then when you love someone, they better know it. And it needs to be centered around Jesus. When you love someone, do they know it? Do they know it more than one day a year? Do they know it every time they interact with you? Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another as I have accepted you. Hospitality is not always about money. It's not always about time. It's encouragement, it's friendliness, it's authenticity, it's cooking, it's welcoming, it's inviting, it's bringing, it's loving, it's loving. And what you need to know is when you welcome someone, you send this message. When I welcome someone, when I welcome someone on their terms, what I'm saying to them is, you matter to me. The second thing I'm saying is, you matter to God. You matter to God. And we deleted that last part off, but it's time to bring it back. Time is short, right? When I welcome someone in their terms, I'm saying you matter to me and you belong to God. You matter to God. So then, do you know somebody who needs to know that? Do you know somebody right now that needs to know that they matter? Let them know. Let them know. And because of what you believe through conversation and relationship, they'll understand you matter to God. Your hospitality, your hospitality can be their hospital. I don't know anybody who doesn't need a little bit of Jesus' love. It always starts with the person you know. Everybody right now has that person on their heart. Be thinking about them. Pray for them. Shoot them a text. Give them a phone call. We've got this thing going right now. We're cold calling people all the time. Hospitality is always good medicine, period. There's never a time where hospitality has been a bad idea, ever, ever. Hospitality is always good medicine. Sometimes it might take a little longer. Sometimes it might take a little bit more investment. Sometimes it might need to be adjusted. But I think that we can all grab a bigger measuring cup today of hospitality and be more consistent with how we show people the love of Jesus, especially those who are closest to us, those who are in our circle, those 
who are around us. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share the message of love today. Lord, I was going to call this hidden love. It's hospitality. Sometimes we cloud this up. We church it up, Lord, but it's real. It's true. It's you, Lord. You came and you were loved for us. It's the greatest love story that's ever been told. Thank you for sending us your son. Thank you for loving us in a way that we can't comprehend. Lord, for those of us who can't comprehend today, help. Help. Give your grace and your mercy. Give your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for how you work in our lives, Lord, for helping us to move forward today with you. Grateful that I was able to be a part. Thank you for using me for helping us to move forward this day. Help us to enjoy our afternoon, our week, especially as we celebrate our loved ones. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you need to pray to establish a relationship with God, you want to be reestablished, reconnected to God, that happens through Jesus. You need to pray something we call the Believer's Prayer. I would love to pray with you. You can um, reach out to me through email. I'd love to set up a time to connect with you personally. Not like this, but one-on-one, over the phone. I'll FaceTime if you want to FaceTime. But email me, dusty at liveredefined.com. I want to help you take your next step. The next thing you do is to come back. Join me back here next week. I would love to see you back. I love it when you interact on Facebook and YouTube. It means so much to me to see you and to go and click on your profile and to check you out. So thank you for engaging and staying with us. If you're um, new for the very first time today, I would love for you to email me again, dusty at liveredefined.com. I'd love to follow up with you and see how I can help you move forward in your faith. If you support our ministry, you can do that by going to onecity.info forward slash partner. It's a big deal to have your partnership as we continue to share the gospel all over our country. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for believing of us in us and belonging here. If today's message spoke to you, make sure that you share it. Paul said, woe to me if I do not share this. If this message spoke to you, share it, send it along. I hope that it helped you. I hope that it helped you more than anything. Now, let me pray a blessing over you. This is Ephesians 1, 17, 18. This is Paul, but this is what God wants for your life this week. I pray the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you would know it is the hope of His calling and His purpose for you and the great things that He has in store for you. Thank you so much for being here today. I will see you next time. Bye.